Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Humanly. My name is Daniel Reuters. And today I'm joined by Aaron Mares and Jennifer Osborne of the Bayleaf Wellness Clinic. Welcome along, Jen and Aaron. It's so nice to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks, Thank Dan. You. Thanks, Dan. We were talking a couple of days ago and um, you brought to my attention that you've started a new clinic called Bayleaf Wellness down in Victoria. And Jen, you're the uh, chief wellbeing officer there and Aaron you're the manager of care and well-being, and I was so thrilled to hear of uh, the work that you're doing down there. So, for our audience, um, would you be happy to introduce yourselves and talk to us about your new venture, Bayleaf Wellness? Fantastic, Dan. We'd love that. We love talking about this because it's a real passion project for us. Um, and thanks for the opportunity to come on and discuss it too, which which is really important because. We, well, collectively, um, myself and my business partner and Aaron, we've probably been in, you know, Western medicine, complementary medicine, integrative medicine for well over 50 years in that space, um, either as clinicians or in the administrative face-to-face area, um, in, in clinics, which is fantastic. And we really wanted to talk to you about our experiences throughout that time and what led us to go it alone, um, particularly at the moment during a time where, um, you know, we're undergoing COVID. We sort of felt that um, even though we'd started just on March in our startup, we felt that this was an important message and, and we're pleased to be able to share it with you. And hopefully people can get some ideas around you know, where they want to go because we really wanted to move from a disease model of health into more of a wellness one um, because we know that obviously a well person with a chronic disease does better than an unwell person with a chronic disease. So for me, it's probably easiest to just tell you a little bit about my journey and then hand over to Aaron. Um, I originally began my education in general nursing one of the first uni-based students, obviously, to run through the system all those many years ago. And, and back then, obviously, as a general nurse, um, we were almost required to know, and, and fairly similar today, as much as doctors. Um, you know, the whole idea of nurse practitioner model was possibly going to come in. Um, doctors were spending more and more time, you know, as specialists and, and moving up and the nurses really had to be there on site and troubleshooting in real time. So, you know, it, it involved a lot of pharmacology and anatomy and physiology and, you know, clinical placement and, um, you know, things that, you know, really took us to the next level in terms of, um, you know, patient diagnosis and what to flag and when to ring the, the specialist or the GP, etc. So, So that was um, straight out of high school and then for me did that for a number of years, obviously, and then just because of watching things over time, um, I, I do remember having a lot of reflection around 
oh, there's got to be something easier than this. Um, particularly back then, being an old school nurse, um, you know, with the um, I had this amazing um, the charge nurse. She used to terrify the hell out of me. She used to come in and say, well, Jennifer, if I can't bounce a coin off your hospital corners, um, then, um, you know, you haven't made bed right. And she'd pull it all out. And to this day, by the way, I still make my bed that way. <laughs> and um, and <laughs> absolutely terrified me. But, you know, I it was all about quotas, you know, how many beds have you made? And and quite often I was the one getting in trouble, you know, sitting with someone who, who was in the cancer or the oncology ward holding their hand and just wanting to talk and give them a back rub. So so obviously early on, and, and I really admire um, nurses to this day, I have many friends who are still in that profession. I think they're incredible saints. But I just wanted to get back to how did they get here? I was always interested in that, always bugging the surgeons, the doctors, you know, interested in how disease was created. So so I then um, went and had an interesting conversation with um, an aunt who said to me, well, you need to go into natural medicine. She, she was like the, the hippie um, in our family. And um, I'd, I'd come out of obviously quite a science-based family. My father was a nurse before me and, um, uh, you know, question everything. And um, I went to this open day. Um, back then it was called at the Melbourne College of Natural Medicine a very long time ago, and um, enrolled for homeopathy at the time, ended up doing um, naturopathy through that, and um, was really, really interested about the progression of disease, and particularly chronic disease and, and miasmatic theory. So looking at um, particularly with Hahnemann, how as a doctor himself back in Germany hundreds of years ago, had worked out that there was this progression of disease and and applying that over the top then of, you know, what I had seen and what I'd learned in my own formal medical training, I thought there's something really interesting in this. So so I went out, graduated, um, ended up in clinical practice myself for a number of years um, to great success and, and like so many clinicians um, just got burnt out towards the end and 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 certainly um, bay leaf has been born out of particularly my journey and obviously we'll get on to Aaron's and, and my business partner Diana um, over the time where we felt that, you know, in clinical practice you absolutely are geared towards helping the patient and you, you want to help them with that journey. So you're so engrossed in that, you're doing the research, you're helping them, you're listening to them, you're emailing them, you're seeing them in between times, you're checking in on them. It's absolutely a focus. And, and then there's so little time left for your business and marketing. And um, I've seen a lot of clinicians face burnout over the years. I, I, I got to the point where I was getting very tired myself and I thought, wow, um, how do I fix this problem? And I thought, well, I need to go into education. Obviously, we need more complementary medicine practitioners out there. How can I do that? So I ended up um, lecturing in the science and bioscience department um, at, you know, Australian College of Natural Medicine at then became, doing pathology and pathophysiology because of my medical background, which was fantastic. I loved it. 
And then um, obviously some complementary medicine subjects, foundations of natural medicine. I absolutely loved that class and um, spent a wonderful time um, throughout those years teaching doctors and nurses who'd enrolled in the courses, who'd had similar journeys to myself, and then listening to, you know, what they had to say about it. They felt that there was something more. And, and rather than just that, you know, let's fix the symptoms, what's at the core of the problem that's going on and how do we move our practice and contribute to more of a preventative wellness model um, rather than let's just fixing the symptoms and, you know, a bit what I call the, the old blood and bone shop um, at the end of it once that pathology has become quite serious. So so it, that was a fantastic journey. I love teaching. I did it for many years. And then um, at some point in that career journey, because I wanted to contribute to getting more, um, you know, complementary medicine therapists out there, I then moved across to operations. I had an incredible mentor at the time um, who was our CEO who obviously saw something in me because it was very student-focused and she said, you know, I want you to move across to the dark side um, of operations and um, which I did and I loved and I became involved in, you know, the quality and, and the course accreditation and um, ended up, you know, looking after the online department and online learning and working with associations, finding out the standards. Um, it was just fantastic. So so my journey at Endeavour from woe to go, I think, um, was probably close to 17 years um, overseeing clinics and being a campus manager, um, lecturing myself, um, really feeling excited about being a part in all of those students' journeys and seeing their successes and celebrating it. And I'm sure Aaron will talk about that because he's really passionate about that. And then, um, um, you know, that journey, because we had a national footprint and six campuses nationally, took me pretty much all around Australia. And and I went from Melbourne, um, I am Victorian-based, to Brisbane for quite a number of years and then um, down to Sydney um, at my last post and um, ended up doing some time over at the Australian College of Physical Education and working um, with the Sydney um, Olympic Park business community um, because that became one of the colleges that fell under um, who we were actually overseeing at the time, which was fantastic. So, So that was just a wonderful experience. And then Obviously, as time went on, you know, I, I did a lot of reflection. I'd got to the top of being a director. I'd spent a lot of time there and, and you know, with an ageing family, certainly down in Victoria, um, my mother and my brother had started having babies at that time and, and I thought, oh, I don't want to be an absent daughter or aunt or sister, um, probably time to think about moving back. So, um, was was absolutely lucky enough at this time um, to land my dream job um, in an incredibly large integrative medicine practice, um, the largest in Australia. And um, that was wonderful because I thought this is just the perfect combination of my medical background and my complementary background. Um, I got to work with some incredibly fantastic passionate, 
dedicated integrative medicine GPs and allied health professionals and complementary medicine professionals, um, um, very chronic disease focused with, you know, an IV clinic um, and, and research based with some really progressive therapies in um, hyperbaric and hyperthermia and um, spent some time working there as uh, within operations and the COO and then towards the end of last year um, lost my father which I think we can all probably relate to when you lose you know a, a really fundamental um, you know part of who you are and and, and it really got me thinking, Dan, at this time, and it had been something that had been sitting in my mind for such a huge period of time on and off. And, and um, my very good friend, Diana Capazio, who's our senior naturopathic physician, had been saying to me for years and years, we actually met all those years ago, 25 years ago, we've known each other, um, kept saying, do you want to go into business together? Do you want to go into business together? I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And um, I had so much reflection around that time and I remember the last conversation I had with my father, he said that he wanted me to live my best life. And I thought, wow, what's my best life? What's my best life? And, and I did so much reflection on perhaps the patient journey, on a clinician's journey. I mean, I saw these incredibly fantastic integrative medicine GPs um, who would spend hours with a patient and and then try and, you know, meet with them in between times and be everything, be a professional friend, give that guidance, give that support, give it that coaching perspective um, and, and really left little time for much else. And then I heard the patient's um, story, which, you know, Aaron particularly um, hurt, was, you know, at the forefront of that um, I've worked with him for many years across a number of businesses and um, you hear the patient experience of, well, you know, it's wonderful, I come, I, I feel fantastic for these couple of hours and then I go home and there's no follow-up and there's no support and I have to wait to the next appointment. And, and I thought there's got to be something better than this. And um, I suppose that's where Bayleaf Wellness was born um, out of, you know, probably a collective 50 years of, of frustrations and experience um, and, and, and that real, you know, we want to change the current model. How, how can we possibly come up with a model that's um, progressive, that's wellness-focused, not disease-focused, that, that really gives that um, support not just to the patient um, but and puts them right at the centre of their care. But how can we support the clinician to do the best job that they know how to do? What can we take away from them? What can we add to them that will put them in the best possible space to do that? Um, and and the rest is history, um, Dan. <laughs> it's been an amazing journey for you to get to where you are. Um, Aaron and Jen, and I know this is something that you've wanted to do for many years, but I think you are exactly where you are meant to be right now. And obviously, five years ago wasn't the right time for you. Um, mm -hmm. It just so happened that the right time for all this to happen was at 
the uh, beginning of a pandemic, which <laughs> was obviously uh, threw a bit of a spanner in the works for you. <laughs> true, true. But you know what? No better time, actually, um, to actually. No better time because when yeah. you're speaking, when you're speaking your truth and you, you're following your dream and the thing that you are meant to be doing, it just seems to work out. And uh, so far, things seem to be going pretty good. So yeah, we've also uh, got Aaron Mars here today uh, and you're the um, wellness manager at Bayleaf, Aaron. So did you just want to talk a little bit about your journey to get to this point of starting this amazing clinic? Absolutely. And um, I loved your point, Dan, about timing. And I think that, you know, I think we're the sum of all of our experiences and uh, just listening back to Jen talk about her um you know her journey and what's brought her here it's you know it, it's it's sometimes I forget those uh those steps that we've taken and that's brought us here but for me I started my sort of a, a career in this field working in a medico legal space and um you know that's quite a little bit removed from from what I'm currently doing uh I was I was managing a fairly large uh, medico legal firm in Brisbane, and uh, and I was working with a lot of orthopedic surgeons and psychiatrists and a lot of specialists who were uh, not not treating patients, but they were examining patients for uh, you know for medico legal reporting purposes, and 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 I guess that's where it really piqued my interest in in health in general. And in in medicine, um, from there I uh, I went on to uh, to work at Endeavour College of Natural Health, and uh, uh, another you know keen passion of mine, of course, is uh, education, and that's where Jennifer and I met working for uh, Endeavour. I uh, I started very humbly as a student advisor, and you know giving <laughs> giving advice across the the student services desk to uh, to many many a student that needed advice on their um, subject selections and how to defer an exam and uh, what what to do, you know, when things had fallen apart in their personal lives and uh, put their studies on hold. Or, you know, uh, there was a whole, uh, a whole raft of different scenarios that came up and, and uh, I fairly quickly found my feet in that sort of role and I realised that I really loved that kind of work and I loved helping people um, achieve their goals when it came to education, um, and I did work up through a few positions. I eventually became the national manager for student services, um, and that's when I was reporting to uh, to Jen. Um, and uh, I mean, that's pretty much been um, the, the start of a, a, a wonderful, pretty magical working relationship and friendship. Um, mm-hmm. From from that point on, I guess we just realised that we really clicked t- together and um from uh, from endeavor i to i did get to travel around the the country quite a, quite a bit working in that national role i did get to all of the campuses and uh you know that gave me a really great taste of what was happening in in each state um and whatnot and i was actually i did actually move to melbourne for for endeavor college um which was it turned out to be wonderful i've always loved Melbourne. I'm, I still live here now. Um, and uh, that was meant to be a six-month secondment that turned into <laughs> here I am six years, uh, six years later. Um, but from, uh, from Endeavour, I then 
followed Jen to the integrative medicine clinic that she spoke about as well. Um, one of the beautiful things that, you know, when you do click with another human being in a workplace and, uh, you know, they get on, go on to do something fantastic and, and love what you do is they often dangle a little carrot and incentivize <laughs> you to, to come across and work with them again. <laughs> I, I, look, obviously I could You never want to lose good people, Dan, um, <laughs> and particularly if you know that they can fix a problem that you have um, beautifully. Um, then you 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 certainly want to keep them with you. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, so that meant that I I, I left Endeavour after uh, about nine years. I think it was just shy of ten years that I was uh, at Endeavour College and um, and worked with Jen at the inter- integrative medicine clinic as well. And um, and and I guess that's where um, from working at Endeavour, where I was surrounded by people in the education space and naturopaths and nutritionists and um, homeopaths and acupuncturists and all of these brilliant practitioners and, and you know being involved with the clinic space there that I just started to realize that obviously there was a bit of a pendulum swing for me from one side of of working in that medicine and, and health space uh, with the orthopedic surgeons etc to that natural health um, space as well so for me to go from medico legal to endeavor college of natural health to then uh, an integrative medical clinic, uh, it just seemed to be that real beautiful marriage of um, natural therapies, complementary therapies, uh, which are of course you know evidence based, with um, more traditional, I suppose, um, what we what do you want to call it, Western medicine, GPs and and psychiatrists and. Uh, uh, those sorts of practitioners working with them again. So it was that really beautiful marriage of the two, which, you know, as you know yourself, Dan, that's what, you know, integrative medicine is. And uh, I was there for about two years uh, working alongside Jen. I uh, was the the business manager there and I uh, got a lot in that particular space from working with the practitioners directly, as Jen did. We got a lot of feedback Um in particular, I got um, a lot of feedback from from the patients as well, and, and, and you know I, I won't unpack that too far because Jen sort of spoke to it already. But um, you know there were a lot of patients that were going to that particular clinic for you know a lot of chronic health conditions, and they felt quite alone at the end of the day when they went home after their treatment, and. Um, and again, that just got the wheels turning for for Jen and, and I um, and Diana um, to think about how we could change that model. Um, and again, you know, that sort of pretty much brought us up to speed. You know, mm-hmm. um, of course, once again, I, I followed Jen's laugh down uh, yet another <laughs> yet another corridor from uh, <laughs> college to uh, to the the integrative clinic to uh, to, to Bailey Wellness. And um, I, I just feel like, um, again, to speak to that idea of being the sum of your experiences and, um, you know, and timing being, you know, what it is, um, even in a pandemic, I just feel that I'm finally in a really wonderful mm-hmm. space and, and, and everything I love about that health, wellness, medical space mm-hmm. um, has culminated. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much 
me up to date, I guess, for now. Yeah, it's so good to see the journey that you've been on. I've known both of you for many years and we did actually um, <laughs> all meet working at uh, ACNM in Brisbane all those years ago. And when I spoke with you last week and you were telling me about your new clinic, um, it got me really excited because I've worked in many clinics across Australia and it doesn't seem like there's very many doing what you're doing and I was really, really impressed. So there's a couple of points that I sort of want to cover off on. One of those is the the point that both of you have brought up about making sure the patient has got the care that they need and I think quite often we do forget about the importance of providing ongoing care to our patients. Usually what will happen is the client will come in and they'll see their clinician and then after that consultation is done, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind and, and the patient may feel left alone. And uh, I know in my own clinic, I've always tried to give 110% where possible. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for that is I remember a colleague of mine saying years ago that you want to treat each patient like a king mm-hmm. because each patient, if you treat them well, will stay with you uh, for years if not a lifetime so it's my understanding that's the type of environment that you want to create at bayleaf wellness right absolutely dan and and i think that the reason one of the fundamental drivers at least for the three of us die aaron and myself included and and now our team that's growing because we're going through a recruitment phase at the moment because the demand is so huge for this kind of supportive care is that the absolute passion with which complementary medicine therapists, um, allied health professionals, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, integrative GPs, all of the people that we have cumulatively worked with over the years, there's, there's never really been a time where I've questioned that passion or dedication. I know myself in clinical practice, um, um, for me, it would not, particularly in my early days, it would take nothing for me to go and spend three days researching one case to make sure that I, I was using the most latest research, I had the best access to therapies I could refer on if I needed to, and I really knew exactly what I was talking about to be able to give that advice. And I think that there's been so much pressure on clinicians to be a one-stop shop for everyone. And, and we know ourselves, and, and I've been in clinical practice, that's what you want to do. That's what drives you. That's your passion. Um, I, I saw this at the National Institute of Integrative Medicine. Um, you know, incredible, you know, integrative GPs. Um, we all um, want that. And then when we come home, there's obviously our family time and our personal time. And we all know, you know, heal or heal thyself and look after yourself and self-care is the first place. But then, of course, there's the marketing of your business. There's the accounts. <laughs> there's the running. There's the bookings. There's the invoicing. Um, there's all of that other side that takes away. And, and then, you know, the in-between of trying to give that support or professional friendship um, is what I like to call it throughout those midpoints and um, between first appointment and next appointment. So, 
So for us, the Bayleaf model was very much about how do we fix that problem? How do we give the clinician the support, the time, the space and the energy to be able to do what they want to do? And how do we look after the patient and build a real community of support networks um, and, and look at what that looks like for them, something that they can hook into um, and, and the Bayleaf model particularly, um, we spent quite a lot of time working on that. I mean, one of the things that, that we do have, I mean, and you'll notice this from our website, is we don't have GP appointments up front. You know, the, the primary practitioner is very much the naturopathic or nutritional medicine consult. We have a discovery call um, in that we spend some time chatting about what you need and a very full well-being profile, um, including all of your case history, is taken before you come because the, the integrative medicos that we do have are very much specialists in their area, whether it be hormonal health, gut health, they can certainly come in later. But we've also got um, what I call, um, what we, we love is well-being coaches and, and those well-being coaches are in nutrition, lifestyle, positive psychology, and um, I like to think of those well-being coaches as I like to call them the fulcrum in between, you know, the, the, the glue that holds everything together between the clinician and between the patient. And, and I love um, Bernard DeVoto's, you know, the American historic, historian who is quite an outspoken, outspoken defender of civil liberties his definition of fulcrum is one that supplies capability for action. And I love that so much because I think of the wellbeing coaches that we have who go in in between those appointments. Sometimes it's a 15-minute checkup. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. How are you going? How can we work with you? Do you need me to go back to the GP, your holistic GP, you know, is your diet plan or nutrition plan working for you? Can we tweak something? What's realistic? Are you on track? How's your physical fitness? What support networks do you have in your area that we can tap into for you? Which has been a very big one, as you can imagine, in COVID because, you know, people are only confined to five kilometres within their their space, particularly in Melbourne. And and, you know, that community of come to a cooking class and, and invite our membership and this is how you make a healthy breakfast and, you know, all of that face-to-face interaction, which is so important um, in our field, we don't have access to at the moment. Um, and, and even with the advent of telehealth, I mean, Bayleaf's grown so big now that, you know, we originally went into this as a Melbourne-based business, but we've got you know, clinicians in Sydney working for us. So so it's sort of broken down some of those barriers, um, meaning that we can provide that access and that support anywhere that we are within Australia and even international. We have, you know, a, a Southeast Asia partnership. So when, when that can become a little bit more face-to-face, um, like the model works very well in that, you know, there's always a check-in. Um, the the GP's not receiving all of these emails. There's a collaborative case model where cases are discussed every week. Um, we decide what's best, and the patient really is the focus of that care. And 
And Aaron's role is so crucial to that because all of that administrative work, um, which is so vitally important and patient contact, is, is taken away for the clinician as well. Um, so so it, it works very, very well for us under the current environment and the feedback we're getting is you're doing something really great. Um, I, I love the wellbeing coaches being that, that one that supplies capability for action. I think that's so fantastic because they're in there providing that support and capability to enable the patient and individual to actually you know, feel activated and, and feel supported. And um, it's working really, really well for us. Yeah, it's such a great message that you've that you've got there, Jen. And one of the things I was thinking about as you were speaking was that, um, and this is obviously something that I say to my students all the time uh, when I'm teaching, uh, is when you go into clinical practice, it's 80% admin and marketing mm-hmm. and networking and education and building relationships, right? It's 80% of that and then 20% actually being a clinician. So you, it sounds to me like what you're trying to do here is to flip that on its head where practitioners who are working at Bayleaf Wellness are now being 80% or even more yes. clinician focused mm-hmm. and then reducing the admin time and, and the marketing time and things. So the clinicians can focus on what they do best. Absolutely nailed it, Dan. And, and that's what we wanted because, you know, we, we obviously do have a lot of our colleagues and friends in this business, they all say the same thing. Um, we take away the marketing, we take, we take away the, the bookings, um, Aaron takes care of all of that. We have a pretty smart tech system. Um, you know, we don't even tend to get a huge amount of traffic via our phone line. Mm. Everything is online. It's very smart, tech-based in terms of the way that it's set up. That discovery call really ferries things and we decide what we do once, you know, that connection's been made. And, and, and the clinician can just focus on being a clinician because you spend all this time and all this experience and study on doing what you love and and really um, no clinician goes into it um, without that in the back of their mind. You, we all want to help and, and I've heard that universally. I, I don't hear any exception to that within our industry and, and I love that. So for me it was about giving them the opportunity to do professional developments. So, for example, what you're doing um, with Humanly is so important in this area, supporting them to go and learn and be and further their research and their education and, and, and making sure that they feel like they have that support to then really just dig deep for the patient. And, and then on the other side, the patient actually learning from that experience in education because there's quite a huge education component to obviously being a good clinician as well. And I'll just jump in there too really quickly because uh, for the sort of work that I'm doing is very much uh, occupying that space between the patient and the practitioner. So I'm working very closely with our patients um, and also working you know, very closely with the clinicians, the practitioners. And uh, to, to Jen's point, that idea of education is extremely relevant to both sides um, so we're trying to educate, you know, the patients about how this model works and how it benefits them, 
Um, there's a lot of people out there that are already further down the track on their you know education journey within this sort of health space, and that's wonderful. But we are getting a few people who are approaching us that um, perhaps don't understand why we don't give them instant access to a GP and we've sort of flipped that particular model. Um, and to speak on the other side of things with the practitioners, some of the newer practitioners that have come on board have been used to running their own, uh, you know, mini practices or perhaps they consult for a couple of different places. And when they come on board uh, with us, they've been quite surprised at, uh, I guess, just how much of that um that extra stuff that Jen, you know, was just speaking to, the marketing, the administration, the follow-up, the check-ins, the um, all of that stuff that can be taken away from them so that they can purely focus on their area of expertise, which is, you know, focusing in on, on health outcomes for, for, their, for their patients. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I, I got that little point in just because I am a real pivot point between those two different sides, the patients and the practitioners in the, in the middle. Mm. And I think I think too with with COVID, Dan, particularly, um, is that a lot of people are asking so many more questions, and and there's so much fake news out there. And um, I really enjoyed I don't know if you know it listening to Sarah Wilson on this. Um, she had a particular article and was talking about obviously she's in the wellbeing space, but but talking about fake news and what was out there. And I think there's so many more questions and we've moved from that model of, you know, the doctor knows everything, guru mentality. We just follow what the doctor says. We take a pill. And and certainly in the in the days of, you know, now Google doctor, I mean, we've had quite a few patient complaints over the years of, oh, I could have just Google doctored that and got that advice. And it is incredibly disheartening if you're a clinician. Um, but but that educative process, because people are now more informed, um, they they don't they don't necessarily want that guru anymore. They want they want a, a support network. They want to understand. They want to be more educated. They and 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 that's what certainly our clientele are craving. Um, you know, something as simple as you know one of our wellbeing coaches, Michaela, this week posted ten simple egg substitutes if you're vegan and allergic to to eggs now that might seem like a very simplistic thing but you know working exactly with your patients and saying substitute this and do that and here's some recipes and this is what helps and that support network is there throughout because we do have um, I think our commercial sales manager has a, a an allergy to eggs so um, you know for him the light's going on and, oh, that's so simple. I can substitute this and that depending on the recipe. And, and it's such, such an easy thing to do that then um, the clinician's not so focused on doing these huge, so, you know, we have some clinical nutritionists, obviously, you know, a, a nutrition plan um, from, from a qualified nutrition coach. So, so, you know, those kinds of things mean that there's this additional backup um, which is exciting. I've started a number of clinics over the years um, at various locations across Australia. And I would say that many clinicians would agree with me that starting a practice, even at the best of times, is not easy. Aaron, um, I've got a question for you because I know that you've 
probably um, had a quite a large uh, part in this. But I want to know how you actually start a successful clinic in the middle of a pandemic and an economic crash. How do you do it? <laughs> well, isn't that the $64 million question? Um, I guess, um, you know, one of the biggest things for us was uh, already before COVID came in place, we were looking at the sort of model that we wanted to create. Um, and, uh, you know, look, quite a, a, a big part of that for us anyway was always about, you know, as Jen mentioned earlier, that the, the tech side of things. Um, we wanted to make sure that we could uh, empower our patients to take, you know, quite a lot of control over um, their experience with us um, at the clinic. And by that I mean, um, you know, simple things like being able to have online appointments, video um, appointments, phone appointments, um, be able to book online, even things like um, for when we do those virtual appointments, we have um, a lot of payment options that means that we can send a little, you know, a little link to the patients where they can pay via Apple Pay or, um, you know, they, they can just pay instantly on their phone. And so we wanted to make things as easy as possible for our patients with that patient experience. And and I guess, um, you know, just to kind of throw back to uh, my experience working with students, our big focus when Jen and I were working in, in education was always about, you know, students first and, and student centricity. And we've just kind of overlaid that same philosophy, I suppose, to the patient experience. So for us, uh, I guess my point there is that um, the model that we had created was already a model that would be successful um, in or outside of a, of a pandemic. And it just means that we have uh, the structure in place to already support doing a lot of that online uh, you know, online stuff, video, phone appointments and whatever. And um, always for us, the biggest focus is on the patient experience. So so even if it is a virtual, um, a, a virtual appointment for that patient, the, the role that I occupy dealing with that patient and making sure that, you know, their booking's correct and um, that they've got the uh, materials that they need or they know what they need to bring uh, have with them um, to their video appointment, Wh whatever that is. I mean, it's about, you know, really it does boil down to customer service and uh, um, and we want to make sure that even as a, a virtual experience that it's still a really great experience. Um, so I suppose the sort of work that, you know, we're doing um, at least in the initial phases of, of a lot of the patient's um, experiences don't necessarily need to be face-to-face. -face. Uh, we've got some beautiful rooms in uh, opposite Flinders Street Station, so we've got a beautiful CBD location. Um, and, um, you know, we can see patients face-to-face, -face, which is great, but I guess during this pandemic it's really, um, it has really forced a bit of change on people and it's forced things like telehealth um, on a lot of patients um, which necessarily isn't a bad thing. Um, it's forced them to be comfortable with, you know, a, a medical or a wellness uh, patient experience in that online sort of space. And um, 
Yeah, I guess I'm hoping I'm answering your question um, by saying all of that, you know, how do you start a clinic in, in pandemic? And we did all the normal things that you would to open physical rooms. Um, but I guess we we're just blessed that already the model that we were working towards was just geared towards um, kind of a more virtual experience. And the pandemic has, if anything, uh, taught our patients to be okay in that space. So our, uh, our online space, we call it Clinic in the Cloud, um, and that's basically the uh, telehealth uh, version of our, uh, of our appointments. And, and look, the response has been really, really wonderful, and it's, it's the, the, the beautiful thing that's helped us survive, I suppose, and, and thrive is that um, our patient base isn't just limited to people here in Melbourne uh, exclusively. And as Jen mentioned before, we've got a couple of practitioners all over the place and uh, Sydney and, uh, uh, you know, we're aligned with um, uh, a company in Southeast Asia and we're, you know, we're, we're in talks at the moment with a few practitioners that will help us out there. Um, and uh, we've got a lot of people in regional Victoria that have just been quite thankful that we are set up the way that we are um, because it's meant that they've been able to have the same level of access to to healthcare um, as they were used to, I suppose. So, yeah. Anyway, I hope that hope that sort of answers that that question for you. Yeah, it does um, perfectly, Aaron. Thank you. I'll put this out to both of you. So, Jen and Aaron, um, how do we get more people interested in natural health? Because from what I've found, those that are interested in natural medicine uh, are usually people who spent the majority of their life under the impression that when I get sick, I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to give me the pill to make me better and it's all good. I don't need to think about my diet or my lifestyle. Uh, I'm going to put it all in the hands of the expert as soon as something happens to me. Then you end up going to the doctor with this condition and the person realizes that what they're being offered is no longer or not what they thought it was going to be. And it doesn't provide them with the answers or the results that they want. So they come and start looking for alternatives. And I think that's how a lot of people end up on the doorstep of natural medicine. But I want to know, is there a way that we can actually draw more people into being interested to to work with integrative med medical professionals and naturopaths and nutritionists and other allied health professionals Um we don't have to let them go through that long journey to realize that natural medicine actually has something to offer. How do we how do we attract more people towards it? I'll jump in first. Um, the, obviously, the first thing that springs to mind for me is uh, education, um, and I'll leave you know it to Jen to talk um, in a bit more technical language about other things. But for me, one of the huge drivers, and again to reference you know previous. Uh, experience, you know, education is so important. Um, and that is definitely one of the pillars of the business that we are, um, you know, ramping up as well as we want to make sure that there's a lot of material out there uh, for our, our patients and prospective patients um, to have access to, um, just to really educate them in that particular uh, space. And obviously, again, to speak, you know, to our experience, even though we've come from that natural health um, education place, uh, one of the brilliant things is um, 
you know, and, and of course, you know, this firsthand, Dan, um, at, you know, Endeavour College, um, it's about um, research and, um, you know, evidence-based um, material. So that's very important to us um, as well. So I think it's about giving credibility to uh, to the sorts of therapies out there and obviously research and, and the findings um, of those research um, you know, activity certainly gives credibility. Um, but yeah, for me, that's the really, really big point. And I mean, even as simple as something like, um, uh, social media for us, um, a, a big, you know, we try and mix it up a little bit, but a big driver for us is to make sure that we are putting out some material, um, that's going to land with people on different stages of their journey, I suppose. Um, so whether you're just a beginner um, and you want to understand, you know, the importance of, um, you know, um, gut health for, for want of a better, um, you know, topic or whatever, um, that's quite topical at the moment. But we don't want to assume that uh, our patients know everything at this point. So I, I guess that education, uh, trying to appeal to all, yeah, People at all stages of that education process, from beginner to the more advanced, um, and again, just as something as simple as um, social media for us is a, a really good jumping-off point. Um, we have um, started uh, a series of webinars as well, um, so we we of course love to get our practitioners involved in. I mean, they are the subject matter experts, of course, so we want them to speak directly to um, patients or prospective patients. Um, about their areas of expertise. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we've, and we've got a, a webinar at the end of the month coming up as well. So um, so that's the sort of thing, I guess, just even if someone follows us on um, on social media, that they'll see, you know, some, some hopefully really interesting, um, well-researched articles that, again, will land with people at different stages of their sort of education journey in this space. But for me, education, um, number one, in terms of people, you know, getting on board with um, any sort of integrative medicine and natural therapies. Mm. Mm. Aaron, sorry to interrupt, uh, Jen. I just wanted to say that I think education is really important and docere or doctor as teacher is a fundamental principle of mm. what we do as therapists. Many of us forget that we're meant to actually educate our clients. And many of us, even when we do remember that, is we put that down on the list of priorities, uh, probably a bit further down the list than it should be. When I am of the opinion that education is probably the most important aspect to health, because we're in this model at the moment where if you get sick, you go to your practitioner and they give you a pill for an ill and it's very much the the practitioner is the gateway to health i the patient cannot get healthy unless i go to the person who's got the training to give me the pill that's going to make me better but in reality what actually happens is if we can re-educate our patients to live better eat better have a better um you know mm -hmm. social structure uh, get outside and exercise more, all the simple things. Um, when they start doing that, their body will heal itself. And that's how people heal is is through treating themselves better, 
we put a few things in motion and then we stand back and let the body do what it needs to do. So I completely agree with you there. It's really about re-education. And unfortunately, I think it can take a long time to re-educate people because they don't know the truth around what is right and what is wrong with health. It's such a minefield, isn't it? Mm, it is. And, and you know, Dad, it's really interesting because at Bayleaf we quite often refer to the three Ps, which is proactive, preventative and partnership. And And we like to be proactive. I think at the moment particularly with COVID, there's so much information about comorbidity. Um, You know, if you already have an existing condition, if you're overweight, if you have high blood pressure, if you have a respiratory concern, we know that you won't do as well. And, And that's not just about COVID. That's about anything that comes along. Um, you know, you get something else and, and your, your immunity, your vital force, um, your health and wellness is diminished. And, and, and you have to be proactive. You have to be preventative. And, and that's why we want it to be more of a wellness model than a disease model. That doesn't mean that we don't have people who don't come and see us with chronic disease. Of course we do. Um, that's, uh, you know, we're probably 50, 50%, 50% chronic disease, 50% preventative, particularly in some of the senior high-ranking execs who want to look after their health at the moment, you know, very high-stressed positions. You know, we, we have a burgeoning um, um, set of, you know, clientele that are coming through there. And, and, and that education in terms of being proactive is so important. So I suppose the only two little things that I were to add to your question and Aaron's discussion about education is um, that I think that there's a huge opportunity at the moment as an industry to actually cross-collaborate. And I think that the more that we work together and we do good research and um, we encourage critical thinking, which is so important, um, where people actually do have the opportunity to work through the issues and and know when they're looking at a good piece of research and when they're not. And, and, you know, there's some great organisations out there. So, for example, you know, Penny Caldercott is doing amazing work um, as the head of AIM at the Australian Integrative Medicine Association and, and really bringing in that natural medicine focus um, to general practice. And, you know, that there's such great people out there doing great work, I think, that all of us saying, um, singing from the same songbook certainly goes a long way. And and I think that one of the things that I found very interesting when you're talking about getting the information out there um, is that I really quite like the human stories because obviously being in natural medicine for a huge part of our career um, and integrative medicine, there's always been that focus. So obviously my colleagues and my friends and my family are big proponents of it and and that's my reality. Um, one of the things that I love is the human story of our commercial sales manager whom I absolutely adore. He tells this wonderful story, you know, um, been in sales and marketing all of his life, thought he was a healthy guy, cycles a lot, eats really well, um, you know, and and it wasn't until he actually had an experience 
um, of, you know, even something as basic as looking at a, a mineral analysis for him, a vitamin and mineral analysis in what he was lacking um, and having that turned around and then noticing the difference in the weight loss that he achieved. It's an incredible story because um, he, he's, he, I love him in that role because he questions me. He says, I'll say, oh, yeah, but that's really easy. That People know this. And he'll go, do they? Do they really not? And, and, and we always need that, that friction, that catalyst of saying, oh, wow, you know, just because I'm exposed to it and I know people who know about it doesn't mean that others are. And, and that education and research and, and for us, when we do have the opportunity to go back to our beautiful little um, private suites in the city, um, to run those classes, to offer people this, this free um, education um, where they can come in, they're a regular of ours, we can provide them with that inf- and give them real practical advice too. Here's what you do. Here's how you mix this. Here's that. And, and I think that that's all that we can keep doing because um, and encourage people to critically think because there is so much out there that's not necessarily good or factual or well-researched at the moment. You mentioned before that your clinic takes a bit of a different approach to the way it's treating patients. So you've got an integrative medicine clinic where you have GPs and uh, naturopaths and nutritionists and a range of different practitioners working together. Mm. Why did you decide to use that model rather than just having a traditional um, naturopathy or nutrition practice? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, that's really interesting, Dan. I think I think that's probably driven very solidly from my own personal experience. I think that, and, and being very science-based, seeing um, seeing the benefit of both, I think that it's very, very important that we start to collaborate. I mean, you know, if you get hit by a bus, you, you, your naturopath is not going to help. There are certain things that you really do need um, high-end medical advice for, um, predictive um, pathology testing, um, you know, there are things that you really want to make sure that you're particularly exercising your duty of care um, to the patient by ensuring that you're crossing your crossing your T's, dotting your I's. You're making sure you've got the, the blood work. You're making sure that there's not, nothing there that's going to come up as a surprise. Now, I know from being in naturopathic med- um, education for many years that there's an incredible amount of um, work that goes into talking about scope of practice and referring on. Um, I really wanted a one-stop shop and, and I wanted there to be no gaps because I felt that a referral, and, and we've got a psychologist as well, so I felt that the referral between this practice and this person and transferal of records and all of that just completely over-engineered the process once again makes it very laborious and heavy for the um, patient who's like, oh, God, I've got to get my records transferred, I've got to do this, I've got to go and see a new person. 
Um, you know, I really, you know, and then there's a lot of time wasting on the phone and cross collaboration with other clinicians. Whereas we do that quite finitely in in a, a case meeting once a week. So, so you know, the hot issues are discussed. What's going on here? How can we help this? Everyone from around the country is ringing in. They're gaining advice, even if they're particularly not dealing with that particular patient. It's, it's very much attentive to the moment um, with those experts looking at that one case saying, yes, so there's no time delays, the patient feels incredibly supported um, and, and they're not waiting, you know, for an appointment over here six weeks away and then the referral letter back and all of that. It, it was just too much. And, and we all know when we've dealt with people who are chronically ill, or um, who are on, you know, at the very end of, of life, time is of the essence. You need, you know, very agile support straight away. Um, so, so that's, for me, why it was so important to have a myriad of clinicians in an integrative space, um, allied, complementary, psychs, psychologists, counsellors, wellbeing coaches, clinical nutritionists, physical therapists, general practitioners, um, incredibly important. So once again, the patient gets that instant response and care that they need. So that's a service that you're providing to your patients. I'm just trying to understand if this is correct in my mind. A client comes in and there's a service that they can um get from Bayleaf Wellness where they'll have a team of people sitting down discussing their case and they're basically getting three or four second opinions um, from that interaction with the different clinicians. So they're actually able to work out a much better approach for the patient and then the individual practitioner goes back to that patient and, and implements that treatment. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. Yeah, and and the wellbeing coaches are checking in every week, or or you know that's obviously dependent on what the patient would prefer. Um, you know they get to dictate that and choose how regular that happens. Um, you know I I know that generally they happen weekly for some of our more um, time poor senior executives. That you know it's usually in um, you know. Um, late at night or something like that. The wellbeing coaches are quite agile, um, but absolutely, and they're going back with the questions. Obviously, they're they're operating within their scope of practice, but they're going back to the clinicians and saying, "What about this?" And those questions come straight back to the case meeting, and and the clinician that is felt that is needed the most, um, obviously, is the primary clinician after we've built that wellness profile for them. Such a great model. I'm so impressed with what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. We love it. And the feedback we're getting is, you know, it, it was born out of years of frustration, Dan. Um, everything that we thought <laughs> was wrong, um, we, we've really thought and, and probably been birthing this for years. Um, for many conversations that the three of us have had, not only with each other, but also then with all of our other colleagues um, within the field and and the themes are universal um, from both the patients and the clinicians and and we really wanted to fix it we'd be really excited if other people 
thought about this model moving forward so we could really make a change in healthcare in this country and, and become a well nation. Um, that's really important to us, um, you know, to think and work collaboratively and, and really make a difference moving forward because if this year's taught us anything, hopefully it's taught us that um, our healthcare is very, very important. It's so important. We are, we've never been sicker in the history of the human race than we are right now. And I think we forget that there is so much chronic disease. It is very, uh, it's prolific Mm. in Australia and many people don't understand that. And I think the model that you've got here where you're truly integrating and the client is benefiting from that integration is uh, so wonderful because there are integrative clinics out there where you can just go and see a naturopath at this integrative clinic, or you can just go and see mm. a doctor at the integrative clinic. But you're providing a true integrative model, and I think we need more clinics like that in Australia. Mm. And with this amazing model that you've got, where do you see the clinic actually um, going in the next five years? <laughs> you've obviously got some big dreams and, and aspirations for it. World domination, Dan. <laughs> We laugh. <laughs> um, I think I think we've been. We always knew that. I think all of us are quietly. We were always quietly confident about the model. Um, we'd done a lot of polling and individual research, and you know, competitor analysis, and really, you know, we're talking about thousands and thousands of conversations with people over the years. So. So we were always quietly confident that we had something that was unique and different. Um, finding people who are aligned in that way is very, very important. And and for us, we have quite a rigorous um, onboarding interview process because we really need um, clinicians who are dedicated to the bo- to the model. Um, secondly, but firstly to the patient. And and for it to work really, really well, um, we certainly, you know, we've been inundated with people who've wanted to come on board and we're quite stringent about what that looks like. Um, because of that, you know, we do require that attendance at collaborative meetings. We do want our wellbeing coaches to really be involved and obviously learn from the clinicians, which is exciting. Um, We've had some interns going through who are about to finish their studies. We're going to offer some more internships soon. Um, We're really, you know, passionate about building the industry. Um, You know, we've had some great experiences. I'm thinking of an incredible clinical director that I know um, who actually said, at one point and has been an integrative general practitioner for a very long time. I remember seeing him at a case conference um, to naturopaths saying, you are the primary clinicians. Um, We see people and we do the pathology and we try and do as much as we can, but at the end of the day we let them go and we, we, um, we hope that they go back to you and they work collaboratively on their preventative health. Um, I loved that so much. And But that's the kind of value system 
um, that we want um, within the bay leaf model. And 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 if if you can't find it, which is why we're so passionate at the moment about growing the internships. I mean, we've got some general practitioners with us at the moment who who um, have signed up to a mentoring program. Who actually one particular one is is sensational. She she's worked in ER for a very long time, and and she said that um, you know when people come to the ER. They only have one question, am I going to live? And and I love this conversation because she said sometimes, you know, they won't, but the rest of the time you consider that you're taking the time to fix them up, knowing that they will go back out again and then they'll come back in again and they probably won't live, maybe on the second or third time. And she said, I want to get to the core of the problem. I, I no longer want to be at the end of it. I don't want to be at the omega, I want to be at the alpha. I want to be really affecting change in a preventative way. And and I hear that from a lot of the GPs who've been out there practising for so long and they want to jump into more of an integrative, collaborative model. They appreciate, you know, the, the four years, let's face it, undergraduate training that you get in naturopathy or nutrition, you've got equivalency of, you know, um, nursing, you know, general, you know, nursing um, sciences. I mean, we're talking about incredibly well-educated people, um, not someone who's gone and done a three-day nutrition course. Um, it's really important to us that all of our clinicians value and respect the education and training and experience that they all have in their niche areas, um, complementary medicine and, um, you know, integrative medicine or general practice combined. That's really important for us. And if we could affect some change there, Dan, which is why we're doing so much training and mentoring and building um, across all of our clinicians um, and changing that model, then what I would really love to see, and I, I know that certainly Di and Aaron talk about this as well, we really want um, the healthcare model in Australia to change. And I suppose that's our driving force. We, we want people to become well. We, we don't want an unhealthy nation. We want a well nation. And, and if we can contribute to that um, and other people start doing the same thing, then I think that that would have given all of our lives meaning. And that certainly is what drives us. As a business, and I think, what do you think, Aaron, individually and professionally? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm totally on board with all that. I can't even add <laughs> a single thing um, to that, Jen, in terms of, you know, um, goals. And um, for, for me, uh, at, at the core of everything, it's about um, outcomes for the patient and putting the patient first. Um, so, in terms of that model, um, and where we see ourselves in the next five years, I would love to think that we've had some part in, uh, you know, contributing to a, a greater change in mm. in the, the way that healthcare is handled absolutely. nationally. So absolutely, that's, that's yeah. the goal. And we're not precious about this. We want everyone to do it because we think it works. Um, and if we're all doing it, I think that we could um, really affect some great change and make a difference. It's one thing I have always thought about this uh, 
pauper mentality that many clinicians have. They're uh, always so cagey and protective of their clients and in some circumstances they don't want to refer clients out because they're scared of losing them. But when you guys are making such a uh, integrative, caring, nurturing, uh, safe environment for not only the patients but also the clinicians, you're probably going to find that practitioners are even happier to work with other practitioners, which is so important. Mm. Um, there's so many clinicians out there who I think would really uh, appreciate what you're trying to do here. And I think the patients do too, Dan. It's like anything, you know, in any sort of customer service environment, if those patients, if they know that they're getting the best care and they know that the people that they're working with, uh, their clinicians, are very much actively working towards getting them healthy um, and there isn't that protection of, you know, oh, this is my patient or I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, forward your case on to somebody else or, or whatever. I think just the very nature of people acting in the best interest of the patient mm. will be, you know, it, well, it is already being noticed by the patient. So whatever that means um, for us as a clinic, if that means that we have more organic referrals um, from word of mouth, um, however that works, then yeah, it, it's all, there's a groundswell already. Um, and I know that sounds all very touchy-feely, but um, but it's true. I just think if people are acting in the best interest of the patient mm. and the patients are feeling it and they're getting results, mm. then that in itself will um, help push push what we're doing forward. What's the best way for people to get in contact with you? You mentioned earlier that you've got webinars and things. Is that just for patients or is that something that uh, the general public can come to your website and access as well? So we, we do we do both, Dan. Um, we have, um, if you subscribe to the website um, and you become a subscriber, obviously you get very different updates to um, our usual public events. Um, for our membership, a lot of the events that we run are free and they're welcome to join us and come as part of that. Um, you know, so so if we think that someone's really struggling with a particular aspect of health and we're putting something on, we, we love inviting them to come through. So so certainly we offer that. Um, on our social media, um, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, um, primarily you can, um, which you can also access through the website, um, if you follow that, you'll know about all of the events that we're actually running. We're spending a lot of time at the moment focusing on our current clients and offering them and building a sense of community. I mean, we're we're very excited to get back to, you know, a little bit of bricks and mortar just because the space that we chose is so beautiful um, with, you know, kitchen and, you know, cooking and, you know, anything nutrition focused or, or whether it be a, a yoga class or a or a workshop with a psychologist on resilience and mental health or, you know, it, it's got this beautiful space and, and I think we're all probably dying a little bit from that loss of connection. Um, but certainly if you go through the website, um, you can do that. At the moment we've got a um, recruitment drive for clinicians because we can't meet demand. So um, that adds certainly on Facebook 
I think LinkedIn. But generally, if you really had any questions, the easiest way to get us is um, via email and that's info at mybayleaf.com.au with really any questions um, or if, if you're a patient or a prospective patient looking for services, you can certainly book a discovery call um, via the website um, and we can run you through what how we think we may or may not be able to help you because you know, um, it's really, really important to know that there are incredible clinicians in the field. We know so many of them. Um, and if we feel that we're not the place or we haven't got, you know, that skill set at the moment, which is why we're in a recruitment drive, to actually um, manage that, then we'll certainly refer to who we believe is some of the best in the field. And, and we're very lucky to have those associations. So if we can help you in any way or point you in a direction, um, we'll certainly do so via that discovery call. And just really quickly, Dan, to speak about that discovery call, we've set it up so that patients or prospective patients can book online as if it is an appointment. So they're usually 15-minute blocks because um, what we found is that uh, someone might lodge an inquiry with us and then, you know, um, myself or the, or the team will spend you know, the next three days trying to chase them down to actually find a good time to, to chat for, for 10, 15 minutes. So I guess one of the benefits of having that ability for the person inquiring to book it in is that they get to choose a time and a day that um, that suits them. So again, I highly recommend anyone that wants to make any inquiries with us that they can do that. Pick a, di- pick a time that works for them, whether it's on their lunch break or some you know, a, a day that they're not working or whatever it is, we don't mind. Um, and then we call them at the at the chosen time. So um, that's that's probably yeah, the, been one of the best ways um, for people to uh, to get in touch. Um, and of course, all of that is it's that's all free of charge. Of, of course, we, we're more concerned about getting people funneled through to the right sort of practitioner. Um, in that first instance, just so that there's, you know, obviously not disappointment um, in terms of the sort of therapy that they that they head towards. We've been talking about the website so much, and we haven't said the uh, the URL for the website. Do you want to share that? Yes, please. Aren't you good? Um, so, please, anyone that's looking to find us, um, go to uh, www.mybayleaf.com.au. In the final stages of the discussion today, is there anything that you wanted to share with the audience before we wrap up? I think that the main thing for me is I'd want people to know that I'm always open to a discussion about the model or how this works, myself and Aaron, um, be they any of those, you know, patient, individual, client, clinician. The important thing is getting the message out there that, this model does work, it can work. Um, We've seen that happen. I know that uh, compared to others, we've been in business relatively um, a small time. But if in some small way we could help discuss, get the issues out there, If, if you'd like to see anything more or hear from us or you'd like a particular article um, or you would like us to concentrate on something, we're more than happy to to consider that and um, certainly give you the benefit of of our combined experience over the time that we've had. 
um, because I think the more people that are doing that and and contributing to this kind of healthcare model, um, the better. And for me, Dan, I guess um, in in closing, I guess I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to to kind of spruik about what we're doing. Um, I, I hope that the you know the passion that we have for you know for for health and and wellness and and what we're doing and you know the model that we're um, working with. I hope that that has sort of come across today. Um, you know, we're genuinely interested in. Um, helping people to 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 be well, um, whatever that means for them. Mm. So, um, um, and again, just to reference, you know, obviously the guests that you've had on the podcast so far, um, you know, to be sort of scooped up and included in that pool of um, you know amazing practitioners and researchers um, uh, is it's really complimentary for 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 us. So, um, so thanks for um, thanks for having us, but. But again, look, um, just happy to um, work collaboratively, as Jen says. We're open to ideas, um, and um, as mm. long as it's all in the big picture uh, end result of um, helping to move healthcare in Australia forward in a positive direction. So, if you want to get in contact with either Aaron or Jen, uh, or find out more about Bayleaf Wellness, you can head to their website which is www.mybayleaf.com.au. Or, or pop us an email. We're, we're happy if you want to send um, an email to info at mybayleaf.com.au. You'll get one of us. Um, always happy to discuss anything that we've talked about today. Fantastic. Thank you once again, Aaron and Jen. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.